Hey, it is the dawn of week one in the NFL season. This is the Gridiron Pick Show. Uh, my name is Michael McQuaid, uh, with Gridiron joined by my esteemed colleague, uh, Oliver Ollie Conley. Ollie, happy week one. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I just cannot wait to finally get into some games. You know, we've been canvassing these teams now for what feels like forever, and it's just fun to be able to actually get to talk about rather than just the teams in the abstract, where they may finish in the division, all that kind of big picture stuff. It's fun to finally be able to to look at some actual matchups and see some real football. Yeah, it's, and the plan today is we're going to have a look at a few games on Sunday, and we're also going to talk about the Monday night game in a betting sense and in a betting regard. Please do gamble responsibly folks and only bet what you can afford be gamble aware uh, and also if you're using a different bookmaker there will be different odds potentially across different markets so we're just quoting the ones that we have uh, let's jump into it ollie um steelers at the bengals on sunday now, this is in the early window for for like some point this week i thought this game was actually the other way around i thought it was the bengals going to the steelers we've got mr bisky in a quarterback and the over and under is 40 and a half for a start uh, the bengals are favored they're minus six and a half uh, favorites with the handicap which is not i know it's fair enough because they were in the super bowl last year what's your thoughts on this game because We've spoke before about maybe the Bengals having a potential Super Bowl hangover or seeing what happens, but the Steelers have a lot to prove as well. The thing for me is that there's a ton of question marks around the Bengals' offense to me, um, and ones I think will get answered to pretty quickly. That they have to change their style from last season, where it was all bombs away and it was all these deep shots to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, and I think it's going to be a little more restricted. Um, obviously, they overhauled the offensive line. One big issue they had last year was their run game was not good enough. It was they were tipping plays a ton. They had about six plays from about four formations, so you knew exactly what they were running. So I'm really intrigued right off the bat have they changed the look of the offense and then obviously what impact does that have and i do think that they are still if you just went unit by unit in the afc north that offense is as talented as any obviously in that division it's probably the best unit of any unit in the division i have i've got long-term question marks about the bengals defensively and whether they can carry over what happened at the end of last year into this season but i do think week one against that steelers team um, they should still score points. I think that the difference is, and I know I spoke about this with you yesterday, is 11% of the Bengals' offense last year was deep shots, go balls, right? That is an insane figure to have. And Joe Burrow hit a, a historic rate. He had a 146 passer rating on go balls last season, which is almost perfect. And that is preposterous. Usually you're in the 80s, 90s. It's kind of a, a boom or bust type throw. And he was just hitting it like, Tom Brady hitting the crossing route. So it was just insane. You cannot sustain that year on year. And now as defense is back up and they kind of have a big better idea about Jamar Chase and, and about T. Higgins, that's going to change the dynamic too. So I think the look of the Bengals offense will change, which gets you into this weird thing of does that then click right away? Does it take them three, four, five weeks to really figure out the mojo of this new thing? So that's that's the big interesting point to me. I think the Steelers have been somewhat interesting in preseason. They've moved the ball better than I expected. And I do have some concerns, particularly in the secondary and at the linebacker level about the, the Bengals defense compared to last year. But on the whole, seven points at home, winning by a touchdown, I still do fancy the Bengals. The thing for me with the Bengals is, I just don't think putting them on this pedestal as a team that went to the Super Bowl and, you know, book them in for winning 10, 11 games and definitely making the playoffs. That's kind of my long-term, I'm not so sure idea, as good as Burrow is. But week one against the Steelers team where they've got a Mitch Trubisky and a quarterback, I still fancy the Bengals. 
Yeah, I watched uh, the Steelers press conference the other day and they were talking about how confident and how happy they were with Mr. Trubisky's quarterback play. I can't wait to see that on Sunday. Uh, Mr. Trubisky is 29, to tw- or 29 for 20, going over 1.5 touchdown passes when you've got Deontay Johnson, who oh, he is questionable, Claypool, and George Pickens coming in fresh. It could be intriguing. I really like the overall like, at 10 to 11, 40 and a half points. I don't know why, but it seems like that sort of game that you're going to be sitting watching red zone at this at the end of that early window. And it feels to me like there could be a touchdown in it, but I'm not sure which way it could go. And if the Steelers are going to start off on a strong foot and then Mitchell Trubisky wants to maybe put that, sort of cement his position down for the season and sort of stop all this talk about Kenny Pickett for the next few weeks at least, I feel like he has to go into to Cincinnati and try and take it by the horns. Um, do you like the over? I love the over. Um, it's funny because I think if you were, again, just grading the units within the game, the defenses would be right there with the Bengals' offense, right? There's still some uncertainty with the Bengals' offense, and as I said, it's sustainability. And then the bottom, bottom, bottom one would be the the Steelers' offense by some distance, but they look pretty good in preseason, and they run this style where they call it the confusing clobber, where it's all motion, 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 running the ball, and the kind of idea with them is that they'll be a you know a sustained drive, long drive team, try and control the clock, hide the quarterback as much as possible, right, and just quick throws into the flat, and guys making plays after the catch, and I do think that over the course of the season will be true. But something about this game to me just says that you're going to get four to five big pop plays where Trubisky's, I mean, he has a cannon. George Pickens is electric. Um, as you mentioned, Johnson, if he's available, Claypool, these guys who can hit big plays. And I do think that offensive line is questionable on a drive-to-drive basis. But I think that they hit three to four massive plays. And, and you only really need that many to suddenly start getting into the 40s and the total. So I, I'm, I'm in on the over too. Let's look at this next game in the second or the later window on the Sunday. Uh, it's Chargers, whose last game last season was against the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas. And we all know what happened there and how Brandon Staley felt after that. Uh, he has a rejuvenated team, which is quite frankly stacked now in SoFi Stadium going up against uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, who have obviously brought in Devante Adams to even start off with. The team favorite is the Chargers minus three and a half points at 19 to 20 on the handicap. And the over and under, the over is 52 points at 10 to 11 using fractional odds. Ali, this game is intriguing because I have the Chargers to win the Super Bowl as a stance. I think they're the best team in the AFC West. Justin Herbert, you've said many times in the offseason, is a freak. He's incredible. This should be a really, really good game. It should do. I think for the Raiders, what's tough is you're running up against a team that's really, really settled. You know, there's been no changes for the Chargers outside of adding better pieces to what they do, right? They drop a Khalil Mack in, they bring in Sebastian Joseph Day. So nothing about kind of the architecture on either side of the ball changes. They just raise the standard. Um, That's really hard when you're a Raiders team who it's all change, right? Um, They have maybe take away the offensive line, which you can't do, which might be the worst in the league. They might have the best skill position group and quarterback combined in the NFL, right? It is outrageous what they have at the skill position. So that's where I think kind of the national public money gets excited thinking about Derek Carr with Devontae Adams, Darren Wall, Hunter Renfro, on and on down the line. They are just loaded. And there's there's certainly going to be games this year, I think, where they just drop 45 on people's heads without even blinking. The problem they have is one, that offensive line is terrible. Two, they're installing a new offense. I'm not quite sure how Adams fits with what Josh McDaniels likes to do. I think that's going to be a long-term question. They'll have to try and figure out how much they just do 
uh, of what Devontae likes like he did in Green Bay, how much they want to just plug Devontae into what Josh McDaniels likes to normally do. That's a question they'll figure out. And then defensively, they have just completely lobbed out what happened last year, you know, cutting second round picks who the old regime was high on and just saying, F*** it, you're out of here. Um, we're, we're, we're going in a completely new, different direction. And so I think it's going to take some time for them to, to really get into gear defensively too. So it's just, I think these teams are actually closer in talent level than you would expect because of the headline names on the charges. It's just when you come into a season and you're settled when there's no practice time anymore and the other team's got a ton of question marks on both sides of the ball, I feel pretty confident in the charges on this one. I like it. The Chargers, uh, who I favor to win this game, are 11 to 10 to score over 3.5 touchdowns. If Justin, I mean, Justin Herbert could come out and have a day, but the really intriguing thing for me is that over and under is 52 because I could see... Even if it's not a shootout, Ollie, you could still see maybe the Chargers having 30, 35 points and, and the Raiders could be sitting early 20s. So you'd be a brave man or a brave woman to go under 52, wouldn't you, at 9 to 10? You would be. In, and just as a rule, I don't do unders. Unders is, uh, is no fun. Unders is anti-football. <laughs> and, and there's still, you know, as much as bringing it, what what the Chargers did was they said, we have the best young quarterback in the NFL. We expect to be have the best offense in the league, you know, six times out of the next 10 years. We think we have Drew Brees, right? That's kind of the timeline they're planning on. And so instead of completely ditching what they did defensively and all the Brandon Staleyness of it that we're all aware of, they said, let's build a defense as though we have a lead in the game. So instead of going to find, yes, they got the big nose tackle, but instead of going to try a true edge defender, like they could have gone and got Chandler Jones, right? He would have he would have fit more what they needed. They said, let's go get Kill Matt because we want someone to rush the passer alongside Bosa when we have a lead in the game. So it's a team built to play with the lead. So yeah, if they if they are up by two scores, I think they're one who puts the who puts the foot on the throat and racks up big big wins. But if I, if I, something about this to me says that these are two extraordinarily high teams like i said i think they're closer in talent than we think the major major difference is the offensive line and whether Derek carr is good enough to overcome that all on his lonesome with the with the raiders i i hate saying under i hate saying under but i just this one feels like a game where you get all hyped and it's really tense really close and we're talking about you know 24 21 and that would be that would be under Let's bomb on here to Sunday Night Football. Uh, Cowboys uh, hosting the Tampa Bay Bucks, repeat of the kickoff last year of our location. Um, the Cowboys are not favored to win. The Bucks are favored to win. They're minus two and a half point on the handicap. That's really interesting. The 10 to 11, the over and under is 50 and a half. This game is intriguing, Ollie. Tom really uh, obviously retired, came back, went away again, came back again. Uh, the Bucks have lost Gronkowski. They've lost like they've lost other guys to retirements. It's been they've lost their head coach. I mean, I, I could literally start a whole list here, write it in the whiteboard here. The Cowboys are sort of in flux, and like I don't think any of us have them to win the NFC East. But to open up the season against Tom Brady in that huge stadium with that atmosphere, you couldn't you couldn't book it for for something that football. I'm really pumped for this game, man. It's gonna be a good one. You know, I'm. I'm really down the Cowboys this season. Um, I, I think I'm the number one uh, believer in Dak Prescott. And then I just look around him. Sam Monson made this point on a podcast with us recently that it's one, it's the only contender 
where you go down and go, where are they better? Even Green Bay, who had to make really tough choices on who to sign and who to keep and trading Devontae Adams, right? They got significantly better at linebacker. There's a pretty clear place they got better. For the Cowboys, you're looking, you're saying, okay, the offensive line is frazzled. It was already paper thin. They lose Tyron Smith. They start having to move pieces around. They sign a 40-year-old fossilized Jason Peters. That is not good. And up against a Todd Bowles defense, that is particularly woeful. Whereas the books, they are better. Adding Akeem Hicks is better, okay? Having Russell Gage is better than what they even had last year, except for when they had Antonio Brown. But at the very, very end, this is better than what they, they had at the end of the season. And I get the concerns about the offensive line. I think they're a little overstated. The thing with Tom Brady and the books O-line, which will be a big conversation piece going into that game, right? Because all you've heard about is retirements and injuries along their O-line, right? And then you've got Demarcus Lawrence uh, and Micah Parsons. Everyone's like, okay, they're going to get after it. When you go through it and you see Hainsey at center, you see Worth, you see Mason, you see Smith, Donovan Smith at left tackle. Those are four really solid to great pieces. And the books as an offense, and I apologize if this is too much in the weeds, but I think people need to know it for betting because people will just presume the O-line is bad for the books. The book's O-line only struggles when it's unnecessarily complicated. Tom Brady makes things extraordinarily complex and difficult for his O-line to get into the perfect protection so he can get rid of the ball super quickly. That's how he gets rid of the ball so fast and still throws down the field. He can scale that back. You don't have to be a perfectionist. The Shanahan guys, they have like five protections, right? They don't, they're not perfectionists. So you can really roll that stuff back and just say, it's going to be on me, fellas, to read it out and get it out quickly. And I trust Tom Brady to read it out and get it out quickly to Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, and Mike Evans against a defensive backfield who, I'm sorry, I'm just not buying that these Cowboys guys in the defensive backfield can do it year to year. So I am... Big, big, big. People talk about Tom Brady. Oh, is his marriage in trouble? Did he get plastic surgery? Did he go on the mass singer? He will drop 50 on the heads of the Cowboys. I'm telling you. Oh, that, 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 that's interesting. I was waiting for that there. It's funny because we said off camera before we hit the button to record here that I, I sort of said, I think the Cowboys are going to win Sunday. I thought it would be the pure adrenaline rush with Dak Prescott. I'm just hoping for a start that Dak Prescott is able to manage the clock effectively this time and his offenses as well, because that was the last play of their last game and how Mike McCarthy still there is a whole different discussion. In terms of betting, I like the under. Am I crazy? Under 50 oh, and a half points. Under and half. Oh, no, I, yeah. this has the feel of two rusty teams to me. You know, if Tom Brady's like, okay. Yeah, like start of the season sort of thing. Like this. Start of the season thing. The offensive lines are both banged up. One is bad. One has got guys who are going to have to kind of change what they would ordinarily like to do because they just haven't had the, the reps yet. There's a rookie and there's a, there's a first-year starter. That's tough. It, it's, it screams of slamming the ball into the line of scrimmage, you know, and then we're in second and eight, and it's, that happens like nine times a game, and you just lose the snaps needed to hit that kind of volume. So... I'm with you on that. I don't think it's going to be a fireworks game, honestly. I think it's going to be a bit of a slugfest. Um, and I, I have the books coming out as fairly comfortable winners by the second half. Hopefully for me in a different time zone, I'll be able to watch a tight game towards the end and have a bet on it as well and laugh. Uh, right, final game we're going to look at is Monday Night Football. Uh, Russell Wilson's return to Seattle. The Broncos are 7-20 to on to win this game and Seattle are 11-5 to to win. Broncos minus six and a half. Now, before we even talk about the over-under, that is good value, surely. Because we've we spoken on different podcasts this week about the way that Seattle, like I, I know you don't think that 
Geno Smith is a terrible quarterback and he has got weapons around them. But you would think in a normal game, I'd say that this is Russell Wilson returning. And if it's not a seriously bad atmosphere, he's not too nervous. But if he does gel quickly, you can get that minus six and a half, couldn't you? Like at 10 to 11. You could do. I, I thought you were going to go the other way. I, I I think that's good Seahawks value. You know, this is the NFL. You very rarely get more than three points, right? Um, you never get a home. They're at home, right? It's a homecoming. You never get a home dog beyond three points in the NFL. So that is pretty fun. And what you have going on here is people think Geno Smith is terrible and he's just okay. That's pretty good. The Seahawks have completely changed their defense completely. They are now running the Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley defense, which... Russell Wilson will have seen, but it might take a couple of beats to kind of get into the flow of things. You know, I've written ad nauseum all preseason, including again today, about this Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett dynamic. I mean, Russell Wilson is a walking top 10 offense unto himself. It does not really matter if there's a fissure between him and the coach in terms of the style because he will make it work. It's just, is it championship good enough? They're still good enough to just club this defense over the head. I do believe that. But if you're getting six and a half points home in week one where things could just be a bit bitty, you know, miscommunication stuff, you get, if, if you get a takeaway and you either score on the takeaway or score on the drive, now they need to drop 21 points unanswered to hit that, right? Is that right? Or 14 unanswered, I guess it would be. So I, I math's not my strong suit. Um, I haven't done it in years. I was literally out of my head there. I, I had to do GCSE miles a year after. So, that, you know, that's think- a whole different discussion. We all know the Broncos are a significantly better team, that the Broncos should will have playoff aspirations, uh, that the start of the season is where they have to cash in, right? There's, their schedule is really easy to open. The season is really hard down the stretch. Uh, getting six and a half points at home in week one, bright lights, you know, maybe some of that shit comes in that, you know, he's, he's back home and all that stuff and it gets in his head. I, I'm not so sure about that, but... I like having six and a half points at home in week one. If it was week five, I would say whatever. Week one, where things could be a bit broken, miscommunication could be an issue, then I kind of like the six and a half points at home. Am I crazy? The Seahawks stink. <laughs> I think you're spot on, man. I know we haven't talked about the Bears, but I feel the same in that 49ers game as well. But that, that's a different discussion. Um, I feel that the combination of like having Javante Williams there being able to go out at times when Wilson maybe is under pressure in that atmosphere and, and Williams can run through the defense. But also with Tim Patrick out, it's really on KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy to get down the field. So I feel like they're really going to connect well. And I mean, this Broncos team should be putting up 30 or 40 against this Seahawks team. There's no excuses. As you said, their schedule is easy enough at the start. They've got Seattle in week one, Houston week two. And then if I think they welcome Trey Lance and the 49ers in Sunday Night Football week three. So they have to get off to a quick start, especially in, in the AFC West. The over-under is interesting because if the Seahawks did get like anywhere from six to nine points, you're probably looking there at the Broncos going, mm, will they get over 30? If, if they're sitting 27 to flee up midway through the third quarter, will they start maybe taking the breaks off and focus on the week after? That's the only iffy thing for me, but I, th- I think the value bet there, Ali, is at minus six and a half. Are we being too critical of the Seahawks here? You said, you're talking about three <laughs> points in the second half. You know, Ronald Darby is a very, very small man. No offense to Ronald Darby, you know, short king. Um, 
he's going to play boundary corner this year in spades, right? Instead of playing inside. DK Metcalf is a very, very large man. Now, maybe they play sides and they say it's Sertan on Metcalf no matter what, and it's Derby on Lockett no matter where they go. That is possible. It's a new DC, so we'll, we'll see on that. I don't think they will They will uh, have the guys travel. I think they'll play sides mostly. That That's what the Fangio guys do, and the, the guy coming in is still a Fangio guy. Um, so I... Geno Smith is a turnover hazard waiting to happen, right? That's the reputation, but he can make big, big, big throws. He is pretty efficient at this point in his career. I think he can move the ball with those pieces. Their offensive line is a worry, but I don't think this Broncos defense is that talented up front anymore. You know, Bradley Chubb has not tried to play football for a long time. He, he checked out all of last season and was terrible. Randy Gregory is, you know, an all-world pass rusher, one of the 10 best on earth when he's engaged and wants to play. Every time you turn up to the stadium, you have to ask yourself, is he engaged? Does he want to play? You know, so th- they could brutalize that offensive line on paper, but... In the actual game, I I do think there's a world in which the Seahawks score 14 points, and then then you're looking at having to have the 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 Broncos hit what what they have to hit to to get the over under. Uh, they need to be going, I think, over so six and a half, so yeah. t- 21. So we need to be 21, 14 minimum to get that for people. So hmm. it's it's going to be an interesting start to that game because you got Hackett as well. Russell Wilson has not played in the preseason. I know nobody really cares about that, but he hasn't played with his team yet. So you get that plus coming home the atmosphere, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, bet of the week. Let's get a bet of the week each, right? Uh, I'm going to go over 47 points in the Vikings against the Packers, 10 to 11 on. Now, I still, at the time of recording, Ollie, on a Thursday, I still have not made my selection for this game, which might sound insane. I feel like it's going to be a shootout. Seriously. I just, I don't know what it is or what the situation is. Because the game, I think it's in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, it might not actually be in Minnesota. If it's in Green Bay, let me tell you right now. You know, these many games, you're just like, oh, yeah, this this one, this one, this one, and this one. It is in, I think it's in Green Bay. Well, then, no, I'll probably go to the Packers. But I do feel it's going to be a high-scoring game. Dalvin Cook, I think, get two or three rushing touchdowns already, which would be nuts. 10 to 11 on, over 47 points. Uh, do you have a standout bet? My standout bet is Patrick Mahomes over two and a half touchdowns. I believe it's seven to five. Um, I've done this rant. 9,000 times now about the Cardinals defense. People know where I stand on that. It's a disaster waiting to happen. It's very unfair on Vance Joseph, the DC. JJ Watt and Marcus Golden, they're two premier pass rushers, and my God, do they need a pass rush this season, are both day-to-day. look like they're going to play, but they're definitely banged up, and that's going to be a constant theme throughout the season. Neither of those guys, as talented as they are, can stay healthy long-term. So I think that the, the Chiefs are going to come out and absolutely roast uh, that secondary with no pressure on Patrick Mahomes in week one. And so I think over two and a half touchdowns is a, is a pretty decent way to go. I like the way that you're talking there, Ollie. Uh, for anyone listening to this podcast, obviously, thank you for doing so. Please listen to the podcasts all week on the Gridiron Network. We have content out every weekday as it stands. We'll be back next week in time. Please do gamble responsibly. Only that what you can afford. Ollie, this has been good fun. I'll see you next week. See you later.